You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hello, hello everyone. It's great to be with you. Coming up today, we're going to be covering some very controversial issues, one of which being we'll answer the question, what is conversion therapy? What isn't it? And what is a means to healing and living a chaste lifestyle for someone who's experiencing same-sex attraction? We'll also be looking at a study that touches on a number of contributors out of Britain. It's actually a study really grounded in the Netherlands, having to do with geneticists, endocrinologists, oncologists, about people who experience same-sex attraction, transgenderism, and we're maybe going through a sex change. So to talk about that and much more, I brought in an expert in this field. He's an associate marriage and family therapist. His name's Michael Gasparo, and he is also a youth minister at St. Anastasia's Parish in Los Angeles as well, Los Angeles Diocese. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here with you. Okay, so we've got a lot to cover today, one of which I just wanted to briefly touch on. You know, we're going to get into more of the psychology side of things, but when we go off the path of what the church teaches, how our body's been created, one man, one woman, sexual intimacy, when people start to alter, manipulate, mutilate their bodies, we're seeing the outcome of this. For example, the British Medical Journal just released a study from the Netherlands, as I mentioned, and they're showing that there's a huge increased risk of breast cancer in biological men because they're receiving female hormones. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think you don't have to extrapolate logic too far (laughs) to get to um, a level of concern for that topic. If you increase estrogen in men and then they increase their breast tissue, I believe as a result, I'm not a medical doctor, but I believe that is one of the things that happens when you increase, when you flood a male with female hormones or synthetic female hormones. Um, it's not surprising that there's an increased risk of other diseases. Well, and it's not just men. It's women who are taking what? Birth control, Mm. right? It's women. All of a sudden we've seen a rise in birth control and at the same time, a huge rise in breast cancer as well. I remember going to the dentist. I may have shared this with you one day. I know listeners have heard this. I'm sitting there, dental hygienist has all these sharp tools in my mouth, and she wants to chat. I'm going, how am I supposed to talk? <laughs> but she's saying, oh, you know, remember our receptionist who was up at the front desk? Lo and behold, she mentions she's no longer here. She's in her early, early 20s. She contract, ended up contracting breast cancer, and her doctor said, you know, it's not popular to say this, but did you know that this is commonly linked to birth control, and you've been on birth control for almost 10 years since you were about 12 years old? Hmm. I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't speak too much on the correlation between breast cancer and increased hormones through birth control use, but I do think it's worth everyone noting and asking their doctor about the real risks associated with use of those kinds of hormones. And I think this is what it comes back to from a Catholic worldview. When you take the body outside of how it's supposed to work, when you try to prevent the rearing of children, right, the creation of children, or try to end that life early on with intense hormones, or you try to alter your chemical makeup because you say you suddenly want to be a woman and you're really a man 
unfortunately, this is one of the physical side effects that we're seeing. I think that's fair to say. I would also add that there are certain unique cases, and as Catholics, it can help us to be nuanced in this, not regarding necessarily the use of birth control for the uh, prevention of children for a contraceptive purpose. But for instance, there are some chromosomal um, unique situations like Klinefelter syndrome, where there is an extra X chromosome, an XXY for a male, where they might use certain synthetic hormones like testosterone to help a genetic male who has a chromosomal difficulty, like Kleinfelters, live more accurately physically to the world as a male. So there could be additional risks associated with that, but it could be a medical intervention that the Catholic Church is ethically comfortable with. So there are certain unique circumstances where medical risk is not necessarily the reason to not do a medical procedure. I know this is complex, but we don't want to be oversimplified with with this issue either. Well, this is actually a really good example because just like someone who might have a chromosomal issue, also a woman or a man who has imbalanced hormones may need a specific dosage to treat Mm -hmm. their symptoms. And this is a problem even with birth control being used for young women when there's some sort of health issue is it's not actually getting to the root problem. This is where NAPRO technology and natural family planning comes into play because it actually looks what's going on with the woman's hormones. Why? is she miscarrying? Why mm. is her cycle off? Why are so many different things happening with her body? Because her hormones are imbalanced and we need an exact dosage rather than a cookie cutter dosage and a birth control pill. That's interesting. And also on top of that, when you have a situation where you're using a synthetic hormone, you want to make sure you're treating something. And fertility right. is not a disease, mm. right? I hear great theologians echoing that around our country. Right. So we don't want to treat fertility like a disease we're trying to yeah. cure people of. And you guys, this is a really important thing to say. Michael's so correct because I travel around speaking to young people and I tell the teenagers, your body's not deficient. It's not in need of fixing. Pregnancy isn't a disease, as you're saying, Michael. Your body is made for great potential. And because of that, that's why we have such a strong responsibility with our chastity. And when girls hear that, they cling on to that. We don't need just the birth control. We have self-control. We have a gift to give within our Mm. bodies. And that includes human life. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's Michael Gasparro. He works with the Breakthrough Clinic that is working doing incredible treatment for people who experience same-sex attraction, OCD, uh, sexual trauma in their past, along with the sexual addictions as well. Can you speak a little bit to your work? Sure. Yeah. We work with a whole host of mental health concerns and issues. We specialize in addiction treatment, and that includes trauma because often they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Many people who are struggling with various kinds of addictions, whether it be sexual addiction or pornography or gambling addiction or even compulsive eating like a Binge eating disorder is one that comes to mind. There is often trauma that impacts the person's life at an early age. And when trauma, which is the presence of a bad situation, or neglect, which is the absence of a good situation at home occurs, often people use other things to compensate at an age where they don't even necessarily understand that it's maladaptive. So many people we work with, we use standard psychotherapy methods to help treat things that they've been carrying for many years and are unaware of the way that their current behaviors are impacted by their previous experiences. So we try to help them unpack that 
and help them move forward in their life with healing and resolution from their past so that they can live more authentically in the present with who God is calling them to be. You guys are doing incredible work there at the Breakthrough Clinic. You can find them at thebreakthroughclinic.com. The original founder was Dr. Joseph Nicolosi. Now that's being run by his son who's mm-hmm. taken up his same work. And it's incredible to see, and we'll talk about this later on, but these are the exact um, authors of these books that are being banned on Amazon right now that are trying to help people with same-sex attraction. Why is it that that books with sound psychology and science behind them are being banned, yet books that are pro-suicide are allowed on social media? Or sorry, on Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, it's hard to make sense of that at all. I think there is a great petition on LifeSite to help advocate for the rights of people to access these books on Amazon. Um, There's also a petition on change.org. So we can even maybe share a link to some of these petitions. They have thousands of signatures. If you're an advocate for free speech and the idea market not being overly regulated by large tech companies, then you might even consider signing this petition, even if you don't like the content of the books. Because as Amazon has proven, they have very little care for the well-being of individuals who are suicidal by keeping these books, pro-suicide books, on their website. Not to mention the works of those such as Adolf Hitler mm. and, and others who are still available on Amazon. Mein Kampf is still available on Amazon last time I checked. So this is a great ideological inconsistency on their their part that we would like to challenge through these petitions. We're going to get into this a little bit more, but if you're listening, please go sign the petition. I am tweeting it right now. You can find me at Tim Ray or find me on Facebook at Trending with Tim Ray. Again, it's to tell Amazon not to ban books dealing with unwanted same-sex attraction. And it's so much more than that because it has sound, incredibly sound psychology and science backing this up with years of data. So go check that out on social media and please do sign. In the meantime, you're listening to Trending with Timory. And I want to dive into another issue, Michael, when you're here. So the United States Supreme Court is being appealed currently by a mother, I believe in Minnesota, mm-hmm. who she has found that her parental rights have been thrown out the door. They have the government essentially in cooperation with the school system has decided with no legal ramification for this, that they can just give her child a sex change and administer hormones. Now it's not clear that he had a surgical sex change, but it is clear that he has received some sort of hormonal replacement therapy but there is no emancipation that took place here this is a violation of the parents rights and outright child abuse for the son and many times when these types of interventions are enacted on children they don't discuss with the children the long-term implications of those kinds of treatments further the children are often not able to consider long-term consequences as well because of mm-hmm. their brain development at that age, which is why parents are so important and to help guide the, their children in those circumstances. Well, and this is a concern overall. We're going to be talking on our next episode together about especially the state of California and the education system and just the incredibly intentional indoctrination, essentially, of children and really the manipulation of children or ideologies, but the over-sexualization of them early on. How is it that sometimes I think we're allowing so many of these rights to be given up to such institutions that the kids are running to the institution for assistance instead of the parents when they're dealing with severe sexual issues. Right. And I think this is a great point where we can remind ourselves as Catholics that we are the our parents are the primary educators of the faith and of their children in general. So don't 
pretend in your mind that the public education system is going to guaranteed share your values. It's worth considering. Oh, and don't surrender your rights, your right to educate your child, your responsibility, though, mm-hmm. to educate your child that I think a lot of parents are forgetting. They think, okay, I send my kid to CCD or even to you and yeah, youth group, yeah. but that's not enough. They need to learn the faith in the home. Coming up with Michael Gasparro from the Breakthrough Clinic, he's a marriage and family therapist. We'll be talking more about actually what is conversion therapy. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. As this cultural battle is a warring all around us, it's an important reminder for all of us that Jesus Christ has come. He has redeemed the human race. God has conquered all evil ultimately, but we are all individually working out our salvation. So this whole drama of sexuality and a challenging culture, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but we're called to have hope and faith in the midst of it and to live according to what is true, good and beautiful in our Catholic faith in the midst of it. And it sometimes helps me to remember that everything old is new again. So this is not the first time that cultures have shifted and their view of sexuality has been uh, averse to Christian sexual ethic. We can look all the way back to the earliest centuries of the church to see yeah. that the the Roman people <laughs> similarly did not appreciate a Christian sexual ethic. Right. So I think it can give us great hope to know that the promise of Christ to be with this church for all all time stays even amidst these current difficulties. Oh, precisely. St. Paul's letters to the Romans right there. Romans chapter one. I mean, not only does it talk about sexual promiscuity, but sexual promiscuity having to do with same sex attraction, Mm -hmm. all of the sins that you and I could throw our hands up at times with regard to, yeah, like this is what happens when we turn away from God. So I want to dive in, Michael. That's Michael Gasparro of the Breakthrough Clinic. He's doing incredible work as an associate marriage and family therapist. Some of you may have heard the phrase conversion therapy, and many of you may say, I am not okay with conversion therapy. And that Catholics are opposed to it. Exactly. And that is completely true. In fact, I'm going to give you an example. It was heartbreaking over the last few months, um, even last few years, having grown up in the dancing world. I have seen, you know, some of my friends who are male dancers in particular uh, who have come out as gay at times, Um, one of whom being Benji Schwimmer. He won the second season of So You Think You Can Dance. Uh, He is a world-renowned champion in West Coast Swing and other forms of ballroom. And I've had the opportunity to train under his father, who's known as the King of Swing. Oh, wow. Uh, And so Benji, over the last couple years, ended up coming out saying that he is gay. Mm -hmm. Um, And according to uh, a lot of his social media posts, it would appear he's living a same-sex lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Because Michael and I always make the distinction that you know gay is a lifestyle it's not an identity i agree uh, you can have same-sex attraction and not be gay you it's what you choose to do with that right sure and often people with same-sex romantic or sexual attractions choose to try to live a celibate life and have slip-ups or mistakes along the way but it doesn't mean they necessarily just dove into the entire gay culture and mm-hmm. fully adopted a gay identity along the way there's a difference between struggling to live according to your call to chastity and just abandoning ship and deciding that you are now defined by those attractions and that's what the church calls all of us to it doesn't matter what state of life you're in you're called to chastity if you're single you're single you're recognizing yes i experienced 
same attraction, right? But I'm called to respect. I don't have a spouse, right? right. Same with someone who is a celibate priest and so on. So I want to get your thoughts, Michael. Sure. Benji Schwimmer ended up sharing a video on Instagram a few months back and it sat with me for a while and he ends up talking about how terrible conversion therapy is. And I look at this video and my heart is breaking hearing what he went through. Rightly. I mean, I think I showed the video to you as well. Uh, He ends up sharing that, you know, for years he had this unwanted essential um, same-sex attraction and he grew up Mormon and this was something that he received some form of therapies for to the point where they would have him look at images of bodybuilders and they'd want to associate bad um, memories with it. So they'd have him take Epicap, which Mm -hmm. would then lead him to throw out throw up after looking at these images of bodybuilders. Right. A huge injustice. And I would actually agree this is a human rights violation. Mm, yeah, it seems pretty torturous. So this is the type of suicide, I mean, what can induce suicidal type of thoughts for people who ex- experience same-sex attraction when you're literally trying to create this revulsion to people of the same sex to try and you know, do this conversion therapy. This is against what the church teaches and against anything that we would be in any way a supporter of. Well, not only are, are we concerned about this, but I think licensed therapists all around the country would say that this is already against ethics codes around the country. Absolutely. So this is why when we when we put the word therapy with something like the word conversion therapy, it can sometimes lead us to believe that it's something that's being done within the context of licensed psychotherapy, and it likely is not being done in the context of licensed psychotherapy. It's likely in the context of a ministry or an un, unlicensed person who's trying to enact some unique form of treatment that they've created on their own. So that's something we want to be sure to distinguish between when we're talking about this idea of conversion techniques versus reintegrative therapy. Right. So this has never really been approved as any type of therapy from psychological world. I think it's good that we can acknowledge that the misgivings of our past. I think in the United States, there were periods of time where for a variety of issues, maybe in the 50s, 60s and 70s, where even things like this might have been happening in secular psychology. So I don't know the complete history of the development of these kinds of of aversive techniques, but I do know that generally speaking, it wasn't just religious people who were experimenting with these kinds of strange behaviors in the realm of psychotherapy. What I do know is now, today, in 2019, this kind of thing is considered unethical and likely illegal by major licensing boards across the country in every field of psychotherapy. And rightly so. You know, I look at it, and actually, this is a part of the world's past. I remember watching the movie The Imitation Game. I did not know what it was, and unfortunately, it went in a direction um, that I could learn from, but it had um, Cumberbatch. But um, Benedict Cumberbatch. There we go. And Kira Knightley. It's The Imitation game and he experiences same-sex attraction mm-hmm. set during World War II and he really has this huge breakthrough essentially through computer technologies to help end the war and decipher the code of the enemy essentially mm-hmm. and he experiences same-sex attraction and he is um, really put at the mercy of a government that is very harsh toward him and tries to implement such treatments as this epicac that is wrong. And that is why I think justifiably so we have to have additional compassion for what has been done in the past. Yeah. And be willing to listen to people's stories who have been harmed by things like that and not dismiss them. And at the same time, also challenge people not to conflate 
these stories with the same things that are happening in licensed therapy offices around the country to help people with unwanted same-sex attraction who through their own will and volition want to address this without adopting a gay identity. Right. So there's one thing that stood out to me, Michael, in Benji's video. And by the way, if you're just listening in, that is Michael Gasparro. He's an associate marriage and family therapist. He's also a youth minister at St. Anastasia's in Los Angeles. So in this video, Benji Schwimmer, former former um, winner of So You Think You Can Dance, ends up saying the one thing we needed, we weren't getting, essentially. He said we needed help. And this really stands out to me because I look at what you're doing at the, really the Reintegrative Therapy Association and the Breakthrough Clinic, and you're actually helping people who are experiencing trauma such as this. Can you go into the difference between what you're doing and conversion therapy, which is wrong? Yeah, especially when I t say reintegrative therapy, I'll be speaking about a specific thing that we're doing at the Breakthrough Clinic, but there are other people I know, other Christian therapists and Catholic therapists that use certain standard psychotherapy methods as well to address people's unwanted same-sex attraction that are also done in ethical ways. Um, but for us at the Reintegrative Therapy Association, we don't focus on the client's sexuality. We don't even try to change their sexual orientation. That's not the point of therapy. We address underlying traumas or neglects. Now, I want to distinguish between what those two things are. A trauma is the presence of a bad thing that happened. Let's say you were hit by somebody in the face when you were a child. That can be very traumatic. Mm -hmm. A neglect is the absence of a good. My, Let's say my mom didn't hug me as much as I wanted to be hugged when I was a child. And that, that's not a personal example. But um, my point in sharing this is a trauma is a presence of a bad and a neglect is an absence of a good. And in situations where people draw, grow up with trauma and neglect, it leaves a vacuum. And often that vacuum, people long to fill with anything that will bring them the good feeling they lack or ease the bad feeling they feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. So often they turn to addictions and they can be behavior addictions or substance addictions. And those addictions can fill the void of the trauma or the neglect. Mm -hmm. We try to address trauma, neglect, behavioral addictions that can be contributing to the underlying reasons this person is experiencing same-sex attraction to begin with. And as we address the trauma, the neglect, or the behavioral addictions, the sexuality for many of our clients shifts as a result. And it's not that we're ever targeting the sexuality itself. I love what you're doing. And if you want to hear a little bit more about this, we actually went really in depth a couple months ago. Michael came onto trending and actually shared his own personal testimony in one episode, along with more detailed information about your guys' work at um, the Breakthrough Clinic and with reintegrative therapy and that association network really across the nation mm -hmm. of therapy. So please, I'm asking you to go to radiotrending.com and listen to those shows because this is a really big issue and it's nuanced as well. Very nuanced. And that's why I really want people to understand that what actual, you could say, conversion therapy is, is problematic if you wanted to call it that. But a lot of people try to call what you do, Michael, with reintegrative therapy, conversion therapy, and that's wrong. It's not what we're doing. And I want to highlight one other quick thing. I know that many people talk about the American Psychological Association. If you want to visit their website, 
website, they openly share that they believe that the consensus for most scientists is that same-sex attraction and LGBTQIA orientations are a result of a combination of complex factors of nature and nurture, but they refuse to address any further what those combinations are. All we're doing at our clinic is following the client's story. We do not impose our bias on the client. We follow their story and find what is true for the client and aid them. It's a client-centered approach. We do not put on the client our expectations for them. We trust the client to make their own therapy goals and support them in that using standard psychotherapy methods. Thank you so much for what you're doing because it's so needed for people truly of faith. And it doesn't even have to be a person of faith who wants to live according to their biological sex and religious views and their values and so that doesn't mean you're you have to get married but that you are living a chaste lifestyle so i actually want to come back in on that we'll talk a little bit about vocational options for people who experience same-sex attraction don't go away michael gasparo is here he's an associate marriage and family therapist you can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hello, everyone. Timory here. I have Michael Gasparo with me. He's an associate marriage and family therapist at the Breakthrough Clinic and also a youth minister in the Los Angeles Diocese. Michael is so faithful to the church's teaching and is doing incredible work as a psychologist therapist, but also at the same time, it's incredible. See, you are so nuanced in being able to talk about these issues with such love and respect and even sharing your own testimony with people. Your message is breaking through an ideology where so many people either overly empathize with same-sex attraction to approving it, or they can be judgmental and hateful, both of which are problematic. And the reality is there's a balance of what the church teaches of chastity is good, but we have to recognize the real struggle occurring. And I think that speaks to Jesus' call of non-judgment. He does not say don't be prudent in judging moral good from moral evil, but do not judge a person because we do not know the complexity of someone's circumstances that have contributed to why they are where they are or what they do. What we can do is know that the truth will set them free. Mm. So we have to present the truth lovingly even if it's hard to hear. St. Stephen presented the truth lovingly and was stoned for it. So it doesn't mean we're always going to be received well by the world, but we must still present the truth with love. And I love that example. And I'm actually going to bring up um, something that I saw giving that example on the National Catholic Register this past week, a story of a woman whose husband ended up deciding at a certain point in their marriage that he wanted to identify as a woman and ended up really leaving the family with a lot of issues. And he had mental health issues himself. And at one point, the mom really ended up having to go to work outside of the home. And a lot of people in their church community, she said, really criticized her for that, not knowing what was going on at home with the father of the children. I think they had a large family. And it wasn't until years later, people were so angry with her because we had no idea. And they were so angry at the injustice. But all that time they were criticizing her because they felt like she was slightly abandoning her family. Mm. And so there's where that judgment can jump in when we don't understand all the circumstances that are contributing to a right. situation. And I hear, I hear a lot of stories from my clients who have gone through sexual abuse, for instance, systemic sometimes and extensive when they were younger. And it's very easy to write off somebody who's made the choice to live as a gay person and not understand all the complex things that have contributed to their issues with 
the church or their issues with same sex or the opposite sex. So our hope in our work that we do at the Breakthrough Clinic is to guide people as they change their own life to what they want it to be because they are defined by their values, not by their attractions. Um, and as Catholics, we're called to do that with love, which is patient and kind. And this is what's important. The Catholic worldview really helps to answer this issue of same-sex attraction, premarital sex. I mean, you name it, any human action. We believe that the human person is a dignified human being with Absolutely. value. Why? Because we have intellect and free will. We can come to know something and freely choose it. Our tendencies, our pull, gravitation towards sin does not define us. It's what we do with those immoral thoughts or attractions that defines I agree. And the difficulty is sometimes we conflate in today's culture same-sex attractions with opposite-sex attractions as intrinsically the same. And our church holds to a very controversial stance that they are not intrinsically the same. One is intrinsically ordered and one is intrinsically disordered. And anything that is disordered means that it's being fueled by something less than whole. Mm -hmm. So we want, instead of just looking at it at the face value and saying, oh, sure, just don't do that thing. We want to dig deeper. We want to bring healing. We want to see why. Why are you feeling drawn towards this disordered thing? And what can we do to bring Christ's healing into your life? And by the way, that can be even for non-Christians. We work with clients who are Muslim or Mormon or Protestant or Catholic or Jewish because at the core, every person has dignity and is possible for them to move closer to Christ's truth in their life in some way. Amen to that. Michael, I want to get your thoughts here. So we've been talking about same-sex attraction. And before the show, you and I were discussing how uh, in some kind of religions, a person who experiences same-sex attraction and has gone through healing for that, there's sometimes a push for them to get married. Well, you have to go all the way in the opposite direction. But that actually doesn't fully fit with what the Catholic Church teaches. The Church never encourages that you try to change someone. Healing is great, and what you guys are doing at the Reintegrative Therapy Association is so fundamental. It's always a mouthful every time I say it. (laughs) I know. Um, But Here's where we touch on the issue of, well, what about people who have experienced same-sex attraction? Is a priesthood a path for them? And I'll throw this in there. Is marriage a path for them? Mm-hmm. I think everyone would, uh, bear with me here, would agree that we're all capable of living out God's vocation for our life. That's a fundamental Catholic view, that God would not give us a vocation, I don't think, that we're not capable of following. Or at least I would hope that that's true. I'm sure it's a nuanced discussion. It's like the phrase, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah, I think think there's some truth to that. So I'm going to operate under that premise for a moment. So go with me for a second here. So let's say I feel a call to the vocation of marriage, but I feel attracted to men and I'm a man. Should I let my temptation towards same-sex attraction prevent me from following my God-given call to the vocation of marriage? I would say no. And so my question for people is, are you running from your issues or are you following your vocation? That's an important thing to begin to ask and to ask God to open your eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit to look at through his eyes, through the the Lord's eyes, because we all can find peace in God's call for our life. And so I know men who deal with same-sex attraction, who have found healing and found that they are capable of living a faithful call to the married life. But just because they have 
healed, let's say, from some of their tendencies doesn't mean they have to be called to the married life. Mm -hmm. So like you're saying, sometimes there are certain religion or approaches where they say all men must be married. But what's beautiful about our Catholic faith is that we've, we honor a variety of vocational calls. So we want to help people at our clinic be able to live who God is calling them as God is calling them to live. And the tools that they have from our the therapy we do in the clinic will help them towards that path, whichever it is, as a celibate single, as a married person, or in the religious life. Well, and this is something that I get the question all the time. People who are experiencing same-sex attraction, they're trying to live a faithful lifestyle. And they go, well, why can't I become a seminarian? I'm going to go into the seminary. I'm mm. going to become a priest. And I say, well, hold on a second. Um, the church is actually pretty clear. You cannot, as you said, Michael, mm-hmm. run from your same-sex attraction. Um, find it as well, you know, I'm not going to get married to woman so here's my other option it's not a backup it's not a de facto like backup to dealing with same-sex attraction means you just go into the seminary right and i will also argue uh if you're not chased before (laughs) holy orders or marriage or going into the seminary you're not going to be chased when you're married or when you're a priest and i think that's why we see four out of five sex abuse cases that have come up over the last 50 60 years have been with adult male priests on pubescent boys, not children, pubescent boys. That's a same-sex attraction problem, not a molestation of a young child, pre-puberty child. It's it's probably a complex combination of factors, but I think you're touching on something that uh, is very poignant here, that we cannot run from our call to chastity and there's no place to hide from it. And what's beautiful is, as Catholics, our sexuality is an amazing gift. So even when we're living a chaste life as a celibate single, let's say, versus living chastely as a married person, we can look at the gift of our sexuality and integrate it into our personhood in a way that honors who God calls us to be and not suppresses or denies our sexuality. Right. So here's where I could see a possibility. Let's dive back into the priesthood Mm -hmm. issue for, say, someone who's experienced same sex attraction and say they've gone through a path of healing some of their traumas in the past. They're not living out their same sex attraction. It's been quite a while and they're living a chaste lifestyle. That's somewhere there where there could be with total transparency, guidance, therapy along the way and really good spiritual director that's holding them accountable. There might be a possible path to mar- or sorry to the priesthood as you said during the break as could be a possible path to marriage and i think with that uh, in mind the vatican has released as you mentioned in 2015 pope francis reiterated the norms on same sex attraction in the seminary so the church does have some protocol for addressing this topic and i don't think we want to paint with too broad a brush in either direction but like you said right. that is a very sensitive pastoral discernment process with transparency just like if somebody dealing with same-sex attraction was going to be called to the marital vocation to be married, mm-hmm. we would want them to be transparent with their uh, betrothed, with their future spouse about this issue in their life as well. You wouldn't enter into a lifelong covenant with somebody who didn't know something so fundamental to your experience as a person. So we don't want to encourage people to cover things up because we're as sick as our secrets, as they say in the addiction world. And we want to encourage people to follow God's call for their life, even if it means addressing something difficult like their unwanted same-sex attraction. Amen. I want to get your thoughts on this. We were talking last week on the show, and we mentioned at the beginning that Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Sr., who you have studied under his school of thought and under yeah. him as well, um, his books on Amazon have outright been banned. You can't even find them anymore. They're the contraband, as I mentioned on the show, where... 
you know, books such as A Parent's Guide to Preventing Same-Sex Attraction, which actually addresses the issue of when a child is experiencing gender identity disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much good academia, even just a conversation, has been banned. And this ideological colonization that's happening by virtue of them just sort of weeding out the things they don't like on Amazon and keeping on egregious material that should never. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to go into the whole (laughs) rabbit hole there. So the point being with this psychological resources being banned, we're limiting parents access to content that could actually help them and help their children. Both parents, but also adults, because there are other books to help, you know, an adult who's experiencing same sex attraction. And maybe they just want to learn more about their attraction. Maybe they're not even trying to heal or change it. They just want to know more. And as Catholics, we're not afraid of seeking truth, right? Right. So my challenge to people who are working for Amazon is if you want the best ideas to rise to the top, then don't limit the ideas that you allow in your sphere around you. Amen. And we have also tweeted out a link to Amazon, really the petition to Amazon to get these books back up online. You can still find them at Barnes and Noble. And I believe you can find them, sorry, through the Reintegrative Therapy Association as well. I believe well. so. Wonderful. And I would also check because that might still be linking to Amazon. I know one of the links on your guys' website still linked okay. to Amazon, but Barnes and Noble has them as well. Coming up, we're going to be diving into really a conversation about the home and how at the heart of so many of our cultures issues is regaining that sense of the eternal and faith within the home environment. We'll be back with Michael Gaspar, who's an associate marriage and family therapist with The Breakthrough Clinic. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Michael Gasparro is in studio. He's an associate marriage and family therapist at the Breakthrough Clinic. He works with Reintegrative Therapy Association, which really has created protocols for therapy, helping with people with sexual addictions, trauma in their past, and so much more. You can listen to more episodes where Michael joins me touching on this really sensitive and important issue of same-sex attraction. His episodes can be found at radiotrending.com. Just pull them up under the guests page. Michael, I want to get into the faith side of the cultural breakdown here. Let's do it. Okay, so I would like some of your key insights here. Having to do with where is the answer if we were to look at the home in kind of opposing this sexualization, this anti-faith type of mindset. I'll throw a couple of mine out and I'll give you time to think about this as well. So my idea really is we need to focus more on the transcendence, that we're more than just this material body. You have a soul. You know, I think of who, um, who's the actor? I'm really bad with actor and actresses (laughs) names. This is like the second time today. Um, See if I can guess Was in Jurassic World, the guy. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. You know what's funny? Bingo. (laughs) So Chris Pratt even talked about this at some award show over the last year. He kept telling young people, I want you to remember you have a soul. You have a soul. And he kept saying it over and over Mm -hmm. again. And I love that he said that because it was challenging them. I think he recognized he had these few moments to tell them there's something more there. And with that, there's such a reality as hell. Faith is important. And the reality is, is that young people first learn their faith and how to integrate into society based on the home. So those are my insights and we'll unpack them. But what are your thoughts here? 
and I know you're implying this as well, with the reality of hell means there's a reality of heaven. Yeah. And so we want to... <laughs> Obviously, let's right. focus on the good stuff. <laughs> well, it's not one to not negate the other, I guess. Right. But I think that that is also really exciting. And as part of my own faith journey, I think it helped me to really remember we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Yeah. And what a beautiful message that is to young people who feel so insignificant at times because maybe they're not popular on social media or they don't have a claim or fortune that they matter enough to be with God for eternity uh, based on God's will for their life. You know, God wants us all with him for eternity. Right. And we are called to respond to that invitation. Well, I think about that in comparison, I in preparing for the show, I thought of, we have this mindset that should be the eternal is always in view. So every action, whether it's picking up a cup to drink it, having that extra dessert at the end of the day, we have the eternal in mind. We should be creating temperance. You know, last night I was going to watch an episode of um, Pull Dark on Amazon Prime. And I'm like, it's going to put me to bed late. And I couldn't decide, should we watch an episode or not? I knew I shouldn't. I had no self-control. And I looked at my husband like, you decide. He turned off the TV and I thought... Thank you. This is so much better because now we have more time to pray at the end of the night. We're not rushed. But having the eternal in mind will help us in making decisions that are so minute that they also influence our larger decisions as well. Yeah. But instead, we're living in a culture where we have this path to distract us instead, where it's the immediacy of life prevents us from focusing on the eternal. And it's easy to get distracted, believe right. me. And I'm not standing here. I would be throwing rocks from a glass house. <laughs> it is a challenge for me as well, especially right. with the beautiful technology we have of a cell phone, which is strapped to our person at almost all times. Yeah. So yeah, keeping our eyes bigger than just on this moment, but on the eternal, I think it's a great reminder. And what's great as Catholics is we're not um, dualistic in this sense that we also honor the beauty of creation. So we do not completely negate the amazing beauty of the here and now and our physical being, but we want to fully incorporate our awareness of the eternal and the divine as well. Yeah, it even put th puts things such as, you know, sports in perspective for kids. The sports are for the forming of the body and the soul, learning discipline, learning freedom, learning, you know, I can take a hit, but also learning the politics and sports. And I remember dancing, you don't always get what you deserve or what you want. Mm, yeah, and to contrast that a little bit, which I think you would agree with me on, we don't want to make them a god either right and sports or academic achievements when we idolize something what is it that archbishop sheen says um you know if, if you don't worship if you don't think you worship something nine out of ten times it's because you worship yourself <laughs> right. and so I'm, I'm misquoting a little bit but you can look that quote up from archbishop paraphrasing. Sheen. yeah i'm paraphrasing. paraphrasing there we go um so i think that with sports i see a lot i work at a church with youth and sports and academic achievement can become like an idol right. to young people and the eternal loses its rightful place at the top of the pyramid or bottom, whichever is the most important part of the pyramid for you. Right. we got to put it in the top place of priority so that the other things fall into line accordingly. Well, and this is where the simple things such as family meals together, you know, the church, right? The church starts with our small church at home, the domestic church. And, you know, there's a reason that we're called to a banquet at mass. We hear of the heavenly banquet, mm. right, is what we see in heaven. But that banquet also occurs at our home, at our dinner table, where you're getting to interact with people, where you're seeing, you're checking in, you're maybe challenging each other in views and ideologies, questioning one another. And in those questions and conversations, you come to know one another better. And through that, you come to know God better in right. some ways. And I work as a confirmation coordinator, like we've mentioned at a parish, that parents 
often assume at times, I'm not going to say all the time, that dropping children off at the confirmation sessions is all that's required to prepare a child for confirmation. However, you and I both know that our catechism teaches us that the parents are the primary educators of the and uh, passing on the faith to the children. So those small, beautiful moments, like even playing a video game together and what lessons can we learn, parents and children together, in that fun, lighthearted moment, or in the deeper conversation at dinner, or in the how are you doing, how was school today, God can work through all of those moments if we allow him to. Amen to that. And I think that that's what's so important. We talked at the beginning of the show that parents' rights are being stripped by the government. We mentioned one story of a woman whose son at 17 years old was allowed to go through some type of sex change process. She's appealing the United States Supreme Court over this because they started implementing hormone replacement therapy. They might have even done a surgery. That's not clear yet. But the state never went through the legal process of emancipating the child. Yet they're saying, well, you know, it was kind of just implied. And so they allowed this to occur without the consent of the parent. Well, how do we change this culture? By forming children through the responsibility of faith and hope and love, recognizing that life is challenging. Even those dinnertime conversations can challenge us to navigate difficult situations in and out of the home. And you mentioned something great. You mentioned temperance discipline in the home and in the context of when are we on our phones when we're together or when are we taking time to have those meals or when does homework get done i mean i i will admit openly i'm not a parent yet so i know this is a complex thing how we raise our children is nuanced and culturally there's some differences between different groups of people but overall the virtues apply to everyone right (laughs) so our theological virtues our cardinal virtues and and beyond are important to keep at the center of how we're looking at our family life we have to come back to the relational issue. God is a triune person, right? He is one per you know, God is one, three persons. It's a divine unity that is so important. And we too are called to communion. You know, we're born into a family. We have parents, we have siblings, we have all of these relationships. And the home is where we discover that and invite other people into those relationships as well to help nurture them and or also for them to challenge us. And in that challenge, I think we learn about what God is trying to tell us and do in our lives. I I think I'll quote my mom here. She says, if you look at a tree from a distance and the wind is blowing slightly, you know, it's a, a light breeze, let's say, you might not notice much movement. The tree looks like it's still, but if you zoom in, if you get binoculars out, you look, all the leaves are, are moving just a little bit. And there's an ant on the, on the bark, on the trunk. And she said, that's what we need to do when we ask to see with spirit eyes. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us see what he's doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So we have to really also open our, our eyes by asking God to show us how he's moving in our life, where he, where his will is. And in that movement, we'll start to see more of God's hand in, in our everyday actions. I can even think of an example of this. And I love that you're bringing this up because if we're more aware through a prayer, um, that's going to help us in those challenging moments. I think about, you know, something that was life-changing for me and my faith. And that was praying and sidewalk counseling in front of the abortion mm. clinic. You alone cannot help that woman. And that's where, you know, I'd be praying, come Holy Spirit, help me to answer. This is a really difficult question she's asking, a difficult circumstance. How do I respond? 
and being open to the spirit in your life allows for God's work to be done, not just our own will. I think that's beautiful. And it also allows us to see circumstances differently than we would otherwise. What would your thoughts be on refocusing in the home Sunday worship and centering the whole Sunday around going to church and other religious practices that day? I think that's a great conversation to have, especially since I see more and more working with high schoolers that both public and private schools are beginning to encroach on Sundays with required activities that take away from family time or church time or leisure time or relaxation time together. And I think that that's a worthwhile conversation given that it used to be a cultural norm that Sundays were considered a rest day, a day for family. And that is being slowly stripped away by more dominant here and now, um, let's say pleasure in the moment or lack of priorities around sports, et cetera. Even just restaurants and grocery stores and other shopping centers. I remember even when we were kids, there was still a lot of stuff that was closed on Sundays. Right. It's not the case anymore. Right. And I think it's good for us to be aware and mindful as Catholics, how we live out the call to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy in those specific ways as well. That's Michael Gasparo. Where can people find you and your work? We're at the Breakthrough Clinic, so you can look my information up. I, I'm, I'm listed on catholictherapists.com, so you can look my name up, Michael Gasparo, there. Or you can also find us at thebreakthroughclinic.com or the reintegrativetherapyassociation.com. These websites are linked on your social media accounts. Exactly. So you can find more about his work as well at radiotrending.com. If you enjoyed the show or have questions about any of the issues we've covered or other topics, especially having to do with sexuality and faith, let us know underneath that contact page. In the meantime, have an awesome week know that we are praying for you and we are here if you have any questions and navigating the difficulties of the culture this has been trending with timory to book her to speak or learn more about her guests visit radiotrending.com that's radiotrending.com you can listen to more of trending via the podcast on itunes google play or the iHeartRadio radio app where you can share your favorite episodes 